0: Good morning. I'm downtown Logan Brown. And I'm Braden.
1: And this is the Pickleball Effect Podcast. Thanks for joining us. So this week we have three different segments. Our first segment is going to be talking about Logan's experience at MLP in Atlanta. He attended on Saturday. We're going to get his inside scoop. And then we're going to do our in or out segment, and then we're going to finish with paddle battle. Let's go. So Logan MLP Atlanta, you were there on Saturday. You drove up Saturday morning, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I left around seven a.m. Uh, drove down, really. Technically, took um, so me about two hours to get there from Greenville, South Carolina, to Peachtree Corners, which is like right outside of Atlanta. What a cool um, name! So Peachtree I rolled tree in corners. like Peach Peachtree Corners. Yeah, everything's peach down there. Georgia peaches. So it uh, but it was cool. Like I, I we parked off site. So is that a Lifetime Fitness, which is uh, the same venue, or not the same venue, but the same ownership venue that I went to for the PPA in Charlotte. They're really cool. Like massive I didn't realize facilities. Lifetime
1: had like outdoor stuff. I thought they were all indoor places.
0: Oh no! I mean, even the Charlotte one, it was an indoor, um, indoor pickleball tournament at the Charlotte one. But there was tons of clay pickleball courts, a massive pool. Clay? I really think Lifetime is kind of like. Democratize the country club lifestyle. It, it feels like showing up to a country club with like a gym. Wait, hold on.
1: Back up, back up. You said they had clay courts, or did that slip?
0: No. Uh, yeah, there was like clay tennis courts. I mean, not oh, for pickleball. I thought
1: you were talking about pickleball. I was like, what?
0: <laughs> no, no, sorry. I don't think anyone's made a dedicated. I, I can mention that by the way. I-, I messaged somebody about clay pickleball the other day, but I don't think anyone's made a dedicated clay pickleball court yet that I know of.
1: Gotcha. Well, so it's a big venue. How many? And but this was all outdoor. They had a huge stadium. Did they yeah. did they build the grand not the grandstand, the championship court? Like was that built for the event, or did they just build around one of the courts they already had?
0: Yeah, well, let me tell you about it. It's pretty cool. So this main court they have is actually built, I imagine, for the tennis tournament. I can't remember if it's the Atlanta Open. It's one of those big ones. That's kind of like a qualifier for the majors. But a year ago or two years ago, like Francis Tiafo and some of the big names that are U.S. American tennis players, uh, I've played there. So it is, oh, cool. of course, like a bigger thing. But like the massive grandstand that you saw is literally cement with bleachers, it's super like vertical, like it's very mm-hmm. tall. So even when you're sitting there, it doesn't matter what seat you're on. You kind of feel like you're on top of the court. Oh, nice. It looked like a sweet setup. It was cool. And then like so on every side here was what was neat. If you're on the massive grandstand, like the cement, that's the GA like well, there's general two admission. Courts.
1: There's, a, there's a grandstand and a championship court. So we're talking about the championship court, right?
0: Yeah. I just mean like whatever you would call the stands on the championship court. Okay. We'll call um, it
1: championship just so we're all on the same page.
0: Yeah. Thanks for calling that out. So yeah, championship court on, on, the, on the main whatever stands. If you look to your right, there was above the, the massive screen, that was the pro team owner uh, tent. So only owners of pro teams were up there, but they had like, I don't know, friends, family, whatever. Just watching from there. Yep. And then across from you was VIP. So if you bought a VIP pass, you're on the opposite side of the, the main stands.
1: And that was like floor level or close to, wasn't it? I think no, was no. Somewhere. I'll tell you
0: about floor level. Flo- uh, that's that was to the left of you. So ahead, across from you was still elevated. That's oh, across VIP. Across from
1: you. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's yeah, how they that's how they have it set up at most PPAs. Got it.
0: Yeah. They're, yeah, they're a little more elevated. And so then to the left of me was, um, player, the player tent. It was a massive player's tent. Plus like you had to have a player's pass or a player's guest pass to be, uh, essentially on the ground level. And there might've been three or four rows of seats there, but that's where like Trey Young was food, sitting in and...
1: massage booths or something.
0: All I mean, parking. it seemed, it seemed like it, it was not luxurious, but really nice. I mean, the depth of this, this tent was, had to have been 30 feet by 60 feet could wide. Be. I mean, it was a, a solid
1: space for them. Yeah. So did you spend your whole time at the championship court? Or did you move around?
0: I bebopped a little bit. So I, when I got there, it was like nine thirty, and this, the crowd was already big. Um, uh, I got there like as fast as I could and it was still already crowded. And yeah, 9.30, I went to the, the championship court.
1: Hey, oh, on, so it, hey. it did feel crowded because there were definitely moments watching the live stream where the championship court didn't look that full. But it was... Or was that just... Maybe, maybe that was just the uh, non-premier day.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on what day you're watching. So Thursday was all challenger level. I would say that even during the challenger final, which I was down on the championship court for that on Saturday around 2 Eastern... It wasn't as busy. But for what I, I mean, I guess the first match of Premier on Saturday was 10 a.m. and I was there at 9 30. And it was pretty packed, like packed enough to where I didn't want to like, walk down more than three or four rows from the top because yeah. I wasn't sure if I could really squeeze in. But I mean, the teams had set up the entire crowd. The crowd had kind of split between Bay Area Breaker fans and Orlando Squeeze. The Orlando Squeeze so people were would-
1: picking size, sides and stuff. It it kind of
0: happened. There's there's no way there's like an established like fan base yet. I don't think it was super established, but the teams were doing a great job of handing out swag and cheer
1: materials. You know, they're they're trying to win the crowd to their team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the squeeze, I mean, I thought it was wild. Now that I look back at it that morning, they had just done the best job out of any other team. I saw the rest of the day at rallying, folks behind them they had the best swag like they were one of the only ones with really good t-shirts and cool designs uh-huh. up in the swag booth at Fromuth. and they set up the whole crowd with like these kind of things you'd bang together to make noise they had two ladies in the crowd they were like kind of like the head cheerleaders for oh, interesting for them and it was it was a it was a cool it felt like a, like a really good high school football game I guess <laughs> That's how I could describe the, it. Well, that's
1: pretty smart because like because there's no established, you know, following for either team, like the 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 crowd is up for grabs.
0: Agreed. Yeah. And it yeah, the other part about the the established stuff, I mean, it seemed like there were people there that maybe had because Atlanta is such a melting pot, it seemed like there were some folks who were gung ho about a certain city, maybe because they were from there. Like I saw people that were like, decked out in chicago slice gear you know i don't really know why (laughs) else they would be unless they were just big big jump ben johns or jesse irvin fans or whatever but
1: yeah i wonder how much of that could be like you follow players because right now i i think more people follow players than than teams than teams yeah like i I tuned in to watch you know specific games i thought were going to be more interesting because uh like I, i follow the players closer but uh yeah no that that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's how sports work, right? Like if, if this team lives in your city, you cheer for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, it, but to, back to your question about whether or not I jumped around. So I went to grandstand court as well. Cause I wanted to watch Miami was playing Columbus and I was kind of interested to see Tyson play. Um, And they had a new girl. So, I mean, like, you know, fast forward, Miami makes it to the semis, which is amazing. They had to get a um substitute from Challenger yeah, they, level they to got take an
1: alternate. Yeah. Allison Harris or something.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say, outside of Rohrbacher, I mean she must she has to be the follow-up MVP of the tournament. The fact
1: that she could jump in and did as well as she did. Oh, really? You thought she did well from the I watched a couple of theirs and I, I kind of thought the opposite. Like I felt like Tyson was really stretching himself on mix. I don't know how many mixed games they won and singles. You know, usually there's one weaker singles girl, and they always put her against the weaker person. She she always squeezed a couple points out. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, I didn't think I I felt like she was surviving than more than thriving. But you thought the other way around.
0: No, I'm with you, surviving. But I just thought that for someone who got pulled up, when you think about challenger versus premier, I kind of had put these two groups at quite different levels from each other, and I just thought she did a pretty good job. Can all things considered. Like I, she dug out some really great
1: points. Sure. Yeah. She was no, she, doing she's a pretty good a job on the
0: right side, but yeah, yeah definitely
1: a player. Uh, yeah. She'll get better. But yeah, I mean, she, she doesn't have that experience. She hasn't, she played mostly APP stuff. I've seen her some there, but I've never really seen her do any PPA. So she's playing new people and they're all better yeah. than folks she's normally playing. So she was really thrown in the deep end, but yeah, she, she held her own and they, they did great. They, that was actually a really good team. Like Stackshood and Tyson mm-hmm. somehow scored Tyra and then, and with
0: Mary, I think would have been they, would know, have they made been it to really the semis like they they would have been really tough, yeah, and d c was a really good team. I watched them play against the slice on Saturday at some point it was it was a good matchup went to a dream so, breaker. did you
1: stay there all day? you got that at nine thirty when did you leave?
0: yeah, candidly, I left around three thirty because. I'm um, of course a big college football fan. My team was playing Alabama, which is a big game. Yeah, so did, did they it.
1: win? You're an old Miss fan, yeah?
0: Yeah, old Miss fan, but no, we didn't win.
1: No, no. was it close? Yeah.
0: It was close for a while until the fourth quarter. And we ended up losing by 10 points, maybe 14. Can't remember. 24 10, maybe.
1: It's a it's a long day of pickleball. So even like they didn't finish to like late that night on Saturday with all the quarterfinal matches. Like it was yeah. I can only imagine how like taxing that is on the players, but even like just watching it from home, it's, like it was too much. And it, if you just turned it on, at least like from my perspective, it was kind of hard to follow. Like you didn't really know the the gravity of each game or match until the quarters. Like obviously you knew what was on the line at the quarters. Although I did pull up uh, MLP's website, and it was actually pretty slick. I was able to kind of catch up on like where teams were in the group and start to figure out you know, who's winning, who needs to win, who who's losing and those things. Um, but once oh. I pulled that up, okay, that kind of brought me in on what was, what was going on, but just watching it, uh, it was kind of hard to tell and follow it a little bit. Uh, was, was it that way being there?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, there's a handful of things that I think went really well at the tournament and a handful of things I think they could do a lot better. And I think that like, I ended up sitting down with the hype guys and there was this couple next to me, this older couple, and they were like. I mean, hardcore fans <laughs> were just just chatting me up about the players. They knew who all of them were awesome. and who they play with, but even them. So the hardcore fans, they were not aware of what that Chicago slice versus the DC pickleball match meant. So I like was just telling him, I was like, listen, you know, Utah is playing on court three. If Utah wins this match and Chicago slice wins this match, we're going to go down to a a net game differential about who makes it to the the quarters. And they're like, oh, really? Well, how does that work? And I was just, there wasn't a ton of time for them to explain this stuff, but I wish they would have put something on the board that explained, like showed the current standing with net games and like, they could have really hyped that up a bit more.
1: With the round robin format, it is kind of hard to follow just inherently. And if you're not broadcasting it, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, having it on my phone helped a lot.
0: And I couldn't even get service
1: there, so I had no idea what the score was. Yeah, when you have there. so many people in, in one area, it's really hard to get internet and crap. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. What, what other, you know, kind of thoughts or takeaways you had from being there?
0: Well, I thought, I mean, as far as like what they did really well, I thought the venue was set up in a really cool way. It was still kind of tight. Like the area where you'd walk through and pass all the vendor booths, that was a little tight, but it also felt like bigger than it was. Couldn't tell you how many people were there, but like it felt like multiple hundreds of people. Maybe, maybe it's more like a thousand. I don't know, but the stands looked packed. It felt like there were a lot of folks there. They still did a great job. Like you could bring your own water bottle in. They might've even be, be, been giving away free water bottles in the refill stations. It's like keeping you hydrated and stuff was, was great and easy. Um, I think that they did an awesome... I was not expecting the teams to be handing out the swag they were to try to get just random fans on their side during a match. That was really cool. Um, I also thought that... Oh, here's a cool thing that was way better than PPA is they had an MC. Do you follow Tropical? Tropical?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's hilarious. So they hired him to be the MC
0: of the event. And I thought he really did a good job. So, like
1: in between games, he's out on the court. During the game,
0: I mean, every time out, he and I guess maybe this wasn't on TV, but he was announcing players. He had like a he had like he had his computer up there by behind the referee, and he was calling out the players on both teams. You know, with these really awesome intros that had been written. So he
1: was kind of like like he replaced like the DJ Selkirk role at PPAs kind of thing.
0: I just thought, yeah, but I, the DJ was he, amazing. He has such a
1: great voice, the tropical dude. Like, yeah. he is meant for MCing. <laughs>
0: he he was doing his own thing, but there was also a DJ there, and I thought the DJ was crushing it. Like, he was playing mainly instrumental music, but he was layering in like mashups. And so, in between, <laughs> like if it was a timeout or in between games, like it was, it was just solid. I didn't even know where he was. That's Maybe awesome. it was all pre-done, but it was good. And overall, I think that really elevated it because as soon as there was some sort of break in the game, the MC was on the mic trying to hype up both teams. He was like, who's here for the Chicago slice? It was like, you know, they yell. He's like, who's here for the breakers? They yell. And it's like this kind of thing just really, I felt elevated the experience and made people get louder than they probably normally would be. Nice. Um, but I do think that, I do think they could have done a better job with food. I think they could have done a better job with like Ultra was like their sponsor. And I was very, very surprised they didn't just have somebody walking through the crowd with like just selling beer. Because I think it could have loosened a lot of people up. It would have been they probably would have their, made some money.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Otherwise you have to go charge. all the way inside charge. and get beer. Yeah. I didn't really see of any anybody with, with those beers. Um, That's surprising.
0: Yeah, well I mean you had to like walk all the way across the venue to go inside to
1: get it. They made it, they made it harder than it needed to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what'd you think so sitting from home or in general like did you pay attention to the new
1: freeze rule change? Yeah, it was it definitely changed things up. So the new it used to be you would freeze at 20 and then the following team had to freeze at 18 or above. And you could only score on your point. Or on your serve, they changed it that once you hit 20, you still have to score on your serve, but the the following team doesn't freeze, but if you're tied at 20, it goes back to rally. rally. yeah, so you, you only win off your serve, but like there's always like rally involved. Um, it seemed like it made the games closer.
0: I, anecdotally, I, mean, right. I would say that it made the games very close. Yeah.
1: Which makes sense because they freeze at 20, but they keep scoring until they get to 20. Yeah. So there was a lot of like super close games. It felt like every match, like, <laughs> came down to the wire, especially in the quarters. Like, somebody would be up 2 1 and, and the team score. And then the final game would be like 20 20 and somebody would up winning like 23 21. And it made it really exciting. Uh, from, the viewership side, like, I don't know how the players felt about it, but it it, it made everything seem super close.
0: Yeah. I now mean, that's how I felt too. I, I think they were trying to do it from a speed standpoint. I don't know if that worked. I'd be curious to know when they look back at the analytics did it actually speed it up the games?
1: The length of the games. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it was yeah, a little unfair, but yeah, I, I don't know if it's the most fair approach. I, I mean, just rally scoring in general. I don't think it's as fun to play, but it it does move things along. Uh, just you know, watching, which is which is probably good. But uh, it was it was just an interesting weekend overall, as far as you know who won. Like Anley, Ben Johns didn't really they weren't at the end too much. Yeah. Uh, did Ann- I mean, I saw so Ben, I think, lost in the quarters to Tyson's to the Miami Cl- Piggled Club, and then yep. I'm not sure what happened to Anley's team. Where did they end up?
0: Well, so they had beat Chicago. On Saturday, um, or no, on on Friday night, excuse me. They had beat Chicago Slice, which is Ben's team, on Friday. So on Saturday, when I got there, here was where my quarrel was: like, do I watch? Do I watch Chicago Slice play DC? DC at that point had won two games already in their group, and that was that group that had all the good players. So it had Riley, it had Christian, it had Ben, it had mm-hmm. Anna Lee, and then you had like James Ignatowich on Dallas. So Dallas already lost two. Dallas is pretty much done. But Lee's team had to go play Dallas, and if they win, and then Chicago Slice had won, which they did, it would have come down to the the net game differential between all three of them. But um, Rob Nunnery had to substitute for AJ Kohler, who AJ Kohler is on the Utah Black Diamonds with Annalise, because AJ had to go to his sister's wedding, I think. And they ended up losing to Dallas. So Dallas literally oh. crushed their dreams. Yeah, on Saturday. So um I oh, don't know how sucks. it would have shaken out otherwise, but we'll we'll never know. Maybe not. But we time.
1: had some like really interesting finalists. So it was Orlando Squeeze. It, so <laughs> it was actually it was on ESPN two mm-hmm. and uh You don't have ESPN two, do you? I did it I I fa- I mean I can I can, you know, hack it, but <laughs> the uh I didn't realize it was ESPN two until it was too late because like I had turned on the YouTube YouTube stream and it was like MLP had a live stream like on, but it just had like a filler screen that just made it look like it was a rain delay or something. Yeah, so I just left that on like it just sat there forever and I was like, "What is going on? This is weird." Like it didn't say tune into ESPN two, and then I finally look up on their Instagram like it's it's on ESPN two. I was like, "Crap!" So I like totally missed it, which was a bummer. But I saw. Orlando squeeze one. So it was De Escu and uh, Zane Navratil. Uh, who else was it? It was Anna Bright. Anna Bright. And that's and the Rohrabacher. Brocker. Yeah. And then
0: who did they play? So they played DC. So that was. They
1: played DC. And that was Alshon Newman.
0: And the Cowamotos. Uh, I've heard it's not Cow. It's Cowamotos. Cowamotos. Cow- okay. I don't know. Anyway, I can't say it.
1: And that went to Dreambreaker, yeah?
0: Yeah, that went to Dreambreaker with DC up two games to love.
1: <laughs> Pretty oh, man, wild, right? But yeah, I mean, like a really, really interesting finalist. Like you would not have guessed that they were going to win. The Orlando squeeze pulled pulled it out. You know, good good for Zane Navratil. The dude hasn't won anything since they took away his spin serve. So except for M L,
0: uh, well, this is pre spin serve, but he <laughs> he has an M L P championship as well. Back with the black So he earlier. uh he
1: he needed he needed a confidence booster, I think this boosts andre a lot so like andre typically only plays a p p yeah uh this kind of i think lifted him up in a lot of people's eyes as far as his ability and his skill but uh yeah, i mean newman he was probably the highest ranked player that made it to the finals yep but uh really really fun it definitely the dynamic of m l p definitely is is different you see different teams different players, different people succeed than the normal which is which is fun and entertaining.
0: Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. And I think, I don't know, the the level of play was so high. I mean, even in the challenger level finals, like CJ Klinger was on another level.
1: He played great. Yeah. I just wish I could so have he-
0: seen like that, like, like literally take what, how he was playing there and put it against a premier team. Cause I, when you see it, it's not exactly side by side, but I just watched premier level match. Now I'm watching this and man, like it was, it felt just as high level. It did not feel like yeah, he, I was watching he a was, high school
1: sport or something. He was impressive. Uh, yeah. I think Klinger and like, I mean, how old is the kid? He's like 17 or something. Yeah. I don't think he's out of high school. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's only going to get better. Yeah. He, he's just, I swear every time I watch him, he's like, he's taller, he's better <laughs> uh, playing with Todd Fo. So Todd's another kind of interesting character. Like he plays PPA, but you know, doesn't get too far. Typically, he'll win. You know, maybe one or two matches on a on a good tournament. Uh, but he he came through here. So Todd Todd's from Utah. I actually played with him like two years ago. This is kind of funny. Like oh. when he first started playing, I uh, we we played, and it was like it was like the second week he'd ever played. And now he just won challenger level MLP. So that's cool. Good for him. Dang. Yeah, I was really happy for that team. The uh, but yeah, dude, that was MLP it was uh, it was a lot of pickleball i I was surprised I couldn't do it all i I didn't watch as much as I thought I would, but uh it to me it was more entertaining once the once the quarterfinals and things came around yeah, for sure, I could see that makes sense and attending like you didn't stay all day like there's no way people can stay all day. I'm sure there's people in and out because they went from like nine to nine It was literally all day long
0: yeah, I mean, I think I could have if I was staying in town, I probably could have done all day. Again, the food situation was not the best. Uh, it certainly wasn't healthy, and so staying all day means you'd have to do two meals there, which I wouldn't have wanted to do. And mm-hmm. also, like the sun's beating down on you all day, which is not no fault to them. That's every probably major sport, but
1: I probably would have except for all of the indoor ones, which is
0: oh, if you go to NHL, a basketball game. NBA. But I mean, like you go to if you go to tennis, you go to uh, if you go to sure. golf, whatever football. I mean, it's all outdoors. So right. I think I just would have brought like more sunscreen and maybe something to go across like my ears and neck. Cause it was
1: really banging yeah. down on my neck at some point. So. Gotcha. Well, cool, man. I'm glad you had fun. Uh, let's jump over to our inner out segment. Let's do it. So our, our first, our first topic here is another tournament question. Mm. So I played in a tournament this Saturday. I did not like how it, was organized it was very frustrating, and so my, my it was set up in like this pool play format, so the question I'm asking is are you a fan of pool play or w elimination for tournaments and i'm gonna argue my case for w elimination uh and share my story from this weekend so yeah,
0: explain the pool play and like why you were in pool play to
1: begin with yeah so i the difference between pool play and double elimination is pool play you'll have say 8 people sign up for the tournament then you uh, everyone plays each other once and then like the top 4 teams advance to a playoff to determine first second or third then you have like a double elimination style tournament where it's just this traditional tournament right like you if you win you move on if you lose you fall down to a losers bracket and then once you lose twice so once you lose in the losers bracket then you're out Okay. So you, you could only play two games potentially in a traditional tournament, you know, double elimination bracket. So this tournament was, uh, this is just an independent tournament. It's not like a PPA or anything like that. It's called the Boise open. So it's really close to me. Uh, I did this last year. It, it didn't, it wasn't run well last year, but this year they, they threw in $15,000 for all the open play events, which is, wow. uh, pretty good for, for something like this. So it, it drew in a pretty good crowd. There's uh there were 30 teams that signed up for the open division for, this was men's doubles. I only did men's doubles this weekend. And so th- there were some teams from Utah, some teams from Washington, uh, it, it kind of, you know, when you have money involved, it's going to bring in, you know, better teams from, from around the area, Yeah. but there's, there's 30 total teams. And so instead of doing a traditional double elimination bracket, they did a pool play. And what they did was they, they did a pool A and a pool B, pool B. So they had 15 teams in pool A, 15 teams in pool B. And then within those pools, they did three different groups. So you either had, if you're in group like one, two, or three, Yeah, and five you did round each. robin with those five people. So I played four total games in my group of five people. And then the top... Or the, the team, one team would move on from each, each pool. So there were six total pools, six teams moved on to play in a double elimination tournament to, de- to finish it and determine one, two, three, and four. Okay. So I'm, I'm in this, uh, this pool, there's, there's five of us. We, these are the scores of our games. We went 11, zero, 11, one, 11, zero, and then we lose 11, eight to the team that eventually took third. And because we lost to them, we didn't make it through the the pool play. So it was one game to 11 really short matches. We were done in like an hour and a half to two hours. Like it was really short. And I was just really frustrated. I just felt like that this format was not the best format to determine who the best teams were there. Cause, uh, so like us kind of i feel like we kind of got snubbed there a little bit uh, like we, we played a good match against that team but ultimately we lost and so we were done there were two or three other teams that were also like i thought were really solid teams that didn't make it through because they lost to like the one or two seeds that or the you know the eventual winners so there's several teams that were like really really solid that didn't make it through the pool play and, and have a chance at the the prize money and as from my perspective like i only had one good game like this is open pl- open tournament so like anyone can sign up and so yeah. the three teams we beat like they weren't that strong as and it's like we we just we, you know we just beat them pretty pretty handedly <laughs> the very first this is kind of comical i don't know what happened so the very first team we played like they walked on the court with walmart paddles and they were in the like, open what? division <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like i bet this was the first ter- tournament they have ever played and they had no idea what we were doing like I'm pretty sure the game was only like three or four minutes long. Yeah. It was, uh, I think they messed up there. But anyways, like in, in a double elimination tournament, like teams like that get weeded out pretty quick. And then, you know, the games get progressively harder, right? And anyways, I just felt snubbed. I didn't feel like I had a good chance at playing for the money and it just was kind of luck of the draw on what pool you were put in to determine if if you could go through or not. Cause there were definitely some pools that were easier than others. And and a handful of teams, you know, that were super solid didn't make it through who could potentially have made a run in the playoffs. And anyways, I just did not like the format. And as like as a like as a five oh player, I like I'm not there to get games. Like I feel like pool play style tournaments are like for charity events where you're just there. to to get games and and, you know and have and have fun obviously want to have fun but like we're there to try to win the money like yeah it's competitive and we want to you want to decide who the best teams are so i was i was really frustrated about the whole thing only got one good game it was one game to 11 like it was just really short and uh anyways i am i'm against pool play but although like a year or two ago i was actually kind of a fan of pool play because like at that time i was like oh i want i want to get Games against higher level players, like I was a four zero, and then I would sign up for four or five events, and then I wanted to get experience with higher level players. So, like, I feel like pool play is is great for people who want to play up in they're guaranteed games with higher level teams. But for the teams that are there, you know, that are like really competing and and you know trying to to, to win the money and make a deep run, like it's uh, it's at a disadvantage for them. And so, so uh I don't know. I at the end of the day like, you know what you're signing up for. If it's a double elimination, it's, you know, this isn't a charity event. Like you're there to, it's a tournament and you're trying to think that's the best format to determine who the best, you know, teams are, especially when you're playing for money. But, uh, I am against pool play, not a fan of it. I don't, I don't think it should be a thing at any level because it keeps people honest. You can't have people play up who aren't that good or aren't as good. And then they're just guaranteed games. And so it, it keeps, keeps people honest, and I think it's more fun. Uh, it's more competitive. You feel the fire a little more. You feel a little more pressure for each match, which is what you want. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you like pool play, or are you a, a double elimination guy?
0: I don't know. So help us, um, help the listeners out there understand. Let's say it was double elimination. You have 30 teams. Would you have still expected it to be split in two groups and then like, instead of being split then into, um, you know, groups of three, I mean, groups of five, three groups of five, would you have expected to play against the 15 teams double elimination style? And then if you make it through that, you got to go play the other side, the other
1: 15. I mean, there's a couple of different ways you could set it up. Like if you think of March madness, how they have, you know, 30 teams on each side and they meet in the middle, like you could set it up that way, or you could, you know, just have. Um, Well, actually, I think that's the only way to set it up is that way. I guess, yeah. But uh, you, you, I mean, of course, depending on what side of the draw you're on, whether you know the top fifteen or the bottom fifteen group, you know, one might be harder than the other. And it's always tough to seed at these amateur tournaments because you don't like the the tournament directors don't uh, often have all the information, and and like they'll usually like. So this tournament was on pickleballbrackets.com like that's where you signed up and so i have like a duper rating and then i have a pickleball brackets rating so my oh, pickleball brackets rating is like four six or something when my duper is five oh hmm. so i i get seated lower for like i don't know how they calculate the ratings but that's just that's just what my rating is on on pickleball brackets and so my the seating is always weird for these these energy. they're not always perfect but um i don't know you'll best teams make it through. If you do, you know, get caught with a really good team early, you fall to a loser's bracket and you can still fight your way back there. And, uh, but that, that's how that works.
0: Yeah, no, I understand it. I mean, it's similar to the way that the MLP was just set up. Right. You know? Um, but I,
1: yeah, they did the pool play and then the tournament, but I mean, I'm on your side. I, and, and, and there was, there was one pool that was like, like the Miami pickleball club, Was like really tough compared to all the other ones. Like it was, was almost unfair for that group. Exactly.
0: I mean, I'm on your side. I just, um, I'm I'm surprised they didn't do something like that that way. Because similar to what you and and Porter did at TOC, where even when you lost in the main draw, you you went like three and one in the back draw, right? So there's opportunity for you to kind of climb. If you made it APP style, there's room for you to climb back in from the back draw. Which for you, like. You don't, like you said, you're not in the open side. You're not really there for games. You want the prize money. And so give everybody the most opportunity possible to go after the top spot, especially when you're doing short games. You're not doing a real match, I, I suppose,
1: like two out of three or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, we'll see what people say if they prefer pool play or not. Cause sometimes I think it might, like your opinion might change depending on, how you do? You know what? Well, on how you do and, like what you like, what your goal is from tournaments. Like some people sign up for tournaments just because they they want they want the games, right? And so like those those style of players might prefer pool play. Um, but I do feel like turn the you know app kind of double elimination style does determine the best winners, and it keeps the levels uh, honest because weaker teams will get flooded out early and then maybe they realize okay this is my level next time they sign up for a lower one or vice versa like if they win then they you know they jump up to the next level next time and so i think there's a lot of benefits you know for tournaments for the that style of play but uh i don't know there's there's an argument for pool play sometimes i think if m- maybe that's the goal of the tournament for you is just to get games just to get games and and certainly if if you're like a lower level player playing up you are guaranteed more games for you but that sucks for the the higher level teams who like maybe you squash like a, a mediocre team and then then you have to go play a really good team right after that and then you play a crappy team after that and like, you're so up weird. and down yeah you're not getting consistent throws off your rhythm but not a fan of pool play i think they should get rid of those and make elimination uh just make it mandatory don't give don't give tournament directors a choice
0: yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm curious to hear what people say in the comments, and I also want to know. Like, one thing I've been really curious of too. Maybe this is in our analytics: is if people do comment on this, or re- regardless, let us know where you're playing. I want to know like where in the states or outside of the states
1: they are. Yeah, that's that's actually a great point because I am yet to play a tournament in Idaho that is not has not been a pool play tournament. Okay. Yeah. So like, I traveled to Utah for tournaments, and though there's uh it's i'm more likely to find a traditional uh double elimination tournament in utah okay and i'll I'll sign up for those and so that's a great point like idaho i don't know what their deal is, but they only do full play events
0: yeah let's see what the rest of the uh the world or country's doing that'd be good
1: you you do like a league, which is kind of cool they don't there's nothing really like that around here.
0: That's been, that's and always that's been my favorite thing. City. Even in tennis, like the I I really don't like tournaments, but I love
1: league play. League play is really fun, in my opinion. And it's just like a set, like Wednesday nights or something.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing I'm in now, like it was, it's different than what I was doing for tennis. But what I do now is you pick a partner, you choose a level, you get guaranteed. It's like maybe eight weeks long or something. So we have two games and or two matches a night, right? Best two, best two out of three games every Tuesday night. And it's kind of like pool play into the playoffs. And the playoffs, that's how you're seated. Playoffs is single elimination to the championship, which I think maybe starts this yeah, week or something.
1: That's uh, that's cool. I like that. There's a, So there's a big indoor place coming in here. And I imagine more leagues and stuff will come through as a result of that indoor place. It's just because it's easier to organize events when you... Like through like facilities and like it's for profit. Mm. Like they have a more incentive to set those kind of things up rather than through the city, but it's cool that your league's through the city. Yeah. It's been good. But yeah. And I remember you saying once that like doing the league like just guarantees a court for you in some games because <laughs> yeah. like showing up to open play is such a pain in the butt these days.
0: It's so rough. I mean, I it's it's good and it's bad. I mean, right now it's so rough because the court that's I mean, quite literally, it might be a thousand feet from my front door if not less, um, every day of the week, it has got to be almost 60 people down there. So now I drive. I,
1: so like, okay, there's 60 people there. Like how many courts, how many people are waiting? So there's eight, eight courts. And so there's... 60 people for... Yeah, eight courts isn't like a ton. So that's, eight, that's 16, 32, 32 teams at a time. And there's 80 people. So there's 20 people sitting.
0: Maybe more than. So basically, I'll, I'll tell you the numbers. We have a rack that holds... Uh, four courts worth. So that's 16 paddles at 16 people. And then there's normally five to seven stacks on the ground. So oh what's, what's seven and times it's four. Like
1: it's like that every day,
0: uh, every day from like, from like, yeah, 6 PM to 9 PM. Yeah. Jeez, yeah
1: that's closer to like, that's like 80 to a hundred. It gets really busy. That's, so normally I, that's now longer-ish. I, now I
0: drive 20 minutes away. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to get course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was, uh, that's why I'm super stoked for these indoor courts coming in just just because I can like reserve courts now. We have we have two and more like, parks no coming. I mean, no it, one's going on to be the way, but... no one's going to be sniffing me trying to get me off the court. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, the but indoor spot be cool. will be awesome. We don't have so far as far as I know, we don't have any kind of indoor spot being worked on, but we do have two more public court, two more public parks that are building courts as we speak. So,
1: nice. be helpful. Yeah, the America's catching up. They're they're working on it. It's tough to it's tough to keep up. Yeah, but I'm glad they are. It's good. So we we had one other uh in or out question. Uh this one's yours. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna sound really jaded here, but throughout the weekend <laughs> watching MLP, I my what I'm in or out on or what I'm gonna propose is family members and whatever on the on the benches for these teams. The most notable out there right now is is like Lee Waters, right, who is the coach, I suppose, of whatever team Annalise on. And then you have like when Catherine Parento is on the court, even in PPA, Athena, her life partner, is out there on the bench. And the reason he gets brought up now more than normal, she's kind of a coach. For her too, though I know Braden. Whatever, dude. Like these people played. Ten- <laughs> these are these are these are coaches. These
1: are family members.
0: They're both they're family members. The only reason they are coaches is because they're family members. In my opinion, I just that's that's my inner out. I do not think. Please tell me if someone else has hired Lee Waters to be their coach, but I doubt it. Um, ben Johns like doesn't like when Ben Johns and Anna Lee are playing. Do you really think Ben Johns needs Lee Waters to tell him how to play? No.
1: No. I, <laughs> there, there is some value to people watching from the outside because you can see things from the outside that you can't see when you're playing. That coaches play a role in, like Lee's talking. A hundred championships, them. Braden. A hundred. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> okay, okay. We, we did. I think we needed to define coach versus family member. I'm just saying these are both okay, whatever. Like they're both. I mean, these ones happen to be both. But like, are you for just people? Period being on the bench. I mean, every. If you go watch an NBA game, the coach is on the sideline with them. That's a legitimate coach. They're, but yeah. You, they, these are legitimate coaches. It's
0: not. It All right. So is Steph Curry's dad on the bench? No, he's not. He's not. Well, he's not his but coach. But he could be. Why not? He played in the NBA. But he's not. He's, he played in the NBA. He could be his
1: coach. Yeah, but he's he's not his, he's not his official coach. Right. I. But uh, yeah. I'm, and I guess, I mean, there's other people on the bench, right? Like the team. Sometimes the team owners are there. Yeah, this yeah. weekend,
0: the team owners were definitely down there, which was good. I mean, I think I brought it up more so not to give shade to Athena and, and Lee Waters. It was more so like the uh, the beef that happened with De La Rosa and Spencer Smith. And Spencer Smith, this was said online, his girlfriend, I don't know who she was, but you know, seemingly not a player, was getting involved in the altercation, which just led me to just pop this in there like, should this person even be anywhere near these players.
1: Yeah, we, we, we got to we gotta give some background to this story. So if, if you didn't hear this, this was challenger level. Daniel De La Rosa, Spencer Smith are playing. It uh, got pretty heated during the match. Yeah. After the match, De La Rosa walks up to Spencer Smith and gets like face-to-face, you know, getting know, just mad about whatever. And then to, to what you're saying, Spencer... Spencer Smith's girlfriend gets off the bench, and it looked like she went to go, like step in between Spencer and De La Rosa to like back Spencer up. But she, she like pushed Spencer over. And when I first watched it, it looked like, or I thought De La Rosa pushed Spencer over. Well, Adam
0: Stone's on the, he's on the, he's on the mic right, commenting. There was a push. There was a push.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Adam Stone, he's the best. Yeah, he's good. I like Adam. (laughs) But uh, yeah, when you when you go watch it his his girlfriend like pushed him over, kind of got involved. Yes. And in that scenario, I like I don't think it's cool to have your girlfriend or non-coach related players or, or someone like that like on the bench. I think that's silly. Like give them give them front row tickets, yeah. right? They can sit right behind your bench, but they shouldn't be on your bench. I, I can I can get behind that. But I know there's other people that sit on the bench. Like McGuffin has his like personal trainer sit on the bench with him. Ben Johns has his like physical trainer dude. Sit on the bench with them. I think I'm uh So there's definitely these these different types of kind of coachy ish type people.
0: Yeah. I'm team I'm team like choose a single person to be there for you. And I'm totally uh I'm totally with the idea that it could be a headspace person. Like they're there not really to tell you how to play, but just make sure you're in a good mental mind state at all times.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is I think what like Ben Johns and Tyson McGovern kind of have. And that could be know what Athena is, uh, as well as a coach.
0: Yeah. I just it just seems like there's some of these benches got a little deep, and I was like, "What are all these
1: people doing?" (laughs) Um, Was uh, did you see Trey Young there? Were were you there when he was? No,
0: that was Friday.
1: Was he on a bench?
0: (laughs) He was not on the bench. No, (laughs) and uh, neither was the. There was another uh, WNBA star that was there too for the mad drops, and um, I don't think they were on the bench either. I think they were hanging out front row, like you said. But I think if you're like involved with like the actual, I mean, they're all involved with the teams, but like, if you're not involved in making that match or making those players better right then and there, or something you should be down there.
1: Shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. But if they happen to be a family member and a coach, leave them on there, Logan. Uh, Leave them there. No,
0: here's my beef about that. So there was, what am I, Catherine and I don't know where I saw this. I just... I I'm okay with like kind of one being one coach for the team.
1: I don't agree with each player having their own coach, all four coaches. So, okay. So like in this environment, yeah, where it's like a team event, you could potentially have four coaches on there rather than just like a team coach.
0: Yeah. And there were times like Kyle McKenzie really took over as a coach and it was cool to see, you know, he's really, and he was like a team coach right Team coach. Yeah. But then like, I think with DC, I don't know who this guy is and I apologize for not knowing his name, but I guess the coach, I mean, he was there, but really didn't say much. Like, you know, Riley is taking over as the leader.
1: He wasn't as involved. Yeah. I
0: mean, he was there standing there, but like Riley's the one, you know, kind of like pumping people up and like talking about this or that, you know, how, how are we going to do something? So anyway, probably not that big of a point of contention, but just my opinion. Yeah.
1: Well, let's jump over to Paddle Babble to finish us off. Do it. So, there's just a flood of new paddles coming. Uh, so, I I said last week that the new gearboxes are coming out. So, I got those in the mail. Uh, you can see it here. It's kind of cool looking. Uh, really, really, really sexy looking paddle. Uh, they win. They win there. I don't know like the construction of it yet. I don't know the details, but uh, they have like this kind of cool siding on there. It almost looks like a like an edge guard type thing. Yep. But uh, it is it is a raw carbon fiber paddle. Uh, I imagine the uh, siding or the edge guard thing is there to cover up the some of the kind of weirdness of putting raw carbon fiber on a uh, an edgeless paddle. So when when you mm. use when you create a raw carbon fiber paddle, use what's called a peel ply, and it can make the edges of the paddle kind of kind of funny looking. Yeah, when you apply it, and it's just not pretty. So I I, th- I bet that that's why they have that there is just a more aesthetic and just kind of cover up what that looks like. Um, but it is it is raw carbon. I don't know what else is different, if they change anything from the ultimate. Uh, I'll be re- reviewing these ones next. I'm finishing up a review for the Engage Pursuit Pros right now, hoping to drop that this week. Uh, but with the Engage Pursuit Pros, I, I have this theory that I'm testing with these. So they have four paddles. They have uh, like elongated Two elongated shapes and then two standard shapes, and then each of those shapes or each shape option has like a thinner and thicker core. Okay. So if we're talking about just their standard shapes, they have the uh, the thirteen millimeter and a sixteen millimeter. So when I've been playing with these, I feel like I can control the thirteen millimeter better than the sixteen, or excuse me, maybe control is not the right word. I feel like I can hit better drops with the 13 millimeter over the 16 millimeter, Hmm. which is counterintuitive. Typically you think, okay, 60 millimeter is going to be more control oriented. It's going to be a little softer. It's going to be easier to hit drops. But I, with the 13 millimeter, just from playing with it, I feel like the ball just comes off the paddle lower. And this is the same with dinking. I feel like I can dink better with the 13 millimeter than the 16 millimeter. And the, uh, the paddles are really poppy. And so the 13 millimeter, the ball just, I feel like it has a lower launch angle. So if I, if I were to hit the paddles, if I were to drive or serve the ball with both paddles, I feel like the 16 millimeter, like the ball takes off higher and is more loopy. Okay. Whereas the 13 millimeter is a little flatter. And so it's, it's almost easier to hit, to dink and to drop with the 13 millimeter because It's not jumping up on you. Like it's the ball comes off hot and it's nice that you can keep it lower and keep your dinks lower and your drops lower. And so I have this theory about launch angles and this is something that isn't, no one really talks about with, with paddles, like launch angles. I know this is a topic in tennis. Was that something you ever considered with your tennis rackets? Like, did you look at launch angles?
0: No, I honestly, everything with tennis, because it was so accessible, I played with every brand. So it was just a feel thing for me. Like, Did I feel like I was getting the ball that I wanted when I made this kind of shot and that kind of shot? With pickleball right now, I don't think everybody gets to really test every paddle on the market. They're kind of just buying and sticking with it or bailing. So what, what, what do you think, though, would make... What is it about the technology of a paddle that changes a launch angle?
1: Yeah. So I've been reading up on it. So this is a topic in tennis. It is like a measurement that they take in tennis. And when you have a tighter string pattern, mm. AKA a stiffer paddle is what I'm like equating this to. Yep. You have a lower launch angle. And so the ball comes off quicker, right? For a, for a tighter string pattern tennis, when you have a more open string pattern, the ball sits yeah, on there a little longer it. and it launches higher. And so my theory is that thinner core paddles are, they're stiffer. The ball doesn't sit on there as long. It just comes off quicker. And which equates to the tighter string pattern, and mm. therefore gives you a lower launch angle. And then the sixty millimeter could potentially equal a like an open string pattern or less, you know, less strings, and the ball, you know, could sit on there a little longer and launch a little higher. So that's my theory. So I actually shot some video today. I just got a new GoPro that shoots two hundred and forty frames per second, so super slow mo. Cool. I just got real, real close to myself and I just hit a bunch of balls with each paddle and I'm, I'm going to, I haven't done yet, but I'm going to go in and just try to find a couple of drives where the paddle is at the same angle and just see if I can find some, something to, to either validate or unvalidate my, my thinking. It's, I mean, it's not the perfect test, but it's the best idea I could come up with to try to figure out what. Or what the launch angle for these paddles might be, but and that's really interesting
0: because like now that you bring it up, I was I was specifically playing with eighteen by twenty string pattern with tennis, so I I did not like a sixteen by nineteen the open string pattern for me felt like less control and and more like the ball just kind of fly on me. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's interesting you're bringing that up now because it I could see that with a thinner paddle where it kind of pops off. Much faster, less less absorption. Therefore, maybe the, the time of impact where you're making uh, impact with the ball on a on a thinner paddle, it's popping off right where you want it to. Whereas on a six, like a 16 millimeter, it might actually come off it, the paddle yeah. a little further in your swing because it's being absorbed.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's that's what I'm thinking and. It's it's just very interesting with these. Because these are so poppy, I feel like I noticed it more than I do with other paddles. I've always had the sense that I could drive the ball better with thinner core paddles. And I think part of the reason is because it's you know it's a, flower, it's a little flatter, stays lower. It's just easier to keep the ball in. Um, but when it comes to like resets, so like when I'm absorbing stuff from the midcourt, I'm trying to reset the ball, a thicker core paddle is better in that scenario because you're just trying to take pace off and just land one in the middle. And a thinner core is going to be harder to control in that scenario, but a thinner core may be easier with drops because the ball is going to stay lower, or with thinks because the ball is going to stay lower with the lower launch angle. And so it's kind of this like interesting give and take that is more prominent with these paddles than other paddles because they're just so poppy. But something I'm uh, I'm going to speak about in my final review and see if I can find some something to to validate or break that apart with uh, this video that I shot today. But that's kind of a fun one that I'm thinking about that uh, I don't know if anybody else has really considered.
0: Yeah, let us know what you find out. I mean, very cool. And is the gearbox, is that a it, thicker paddle now, or are they still sticking with their super thin, like 12,
1: 11 millimeter? It's super thin. I think, it's, I think it's 14. Oh, 14, okay. But it doesn't say on here. Okay. But definitely, uh, definitely a good-looking paddle. But yeah, I'll do that one next and then uh i did i did my first uh paddle or i'm doing my first paddle like consultation so we had talked about this a few weeks ago we're like i did that thing for 60 yeah. with the weight distribution and we are like we need i need to create like a b labs and so uh it came up again where someone was like hey i want can you look at my pattern and i was like yes for money
0: yeah there you go okay uh- <laughs> so tell us how do you so, structure uh, it and what like how scientific are you getting versus just like your Opinion on the feel and things like that.
1: Yeah. So w- what I'm doing, uh, so they sent me a few paddles. I don't know if they want to say what brand it is. So I'll, I'll just keep this kind of ambiguous. Well-known but well-known or, a or brand paddles. new on the market or what? Uh, it's well-known. Okay. And so they have a few different uh, facing materials, m- uh, different materials and grittiness. And they're just, so I'm going to do spin tests for all these, these different facing materials, uh, see what numbers I get there. And then I'm just going to run the numbers, you know, swing, weight, twist, weight, those kind of things. Uh, so I'll have some, some data I push over and then I'm going to just play with each paddle and just kind of give them my general take on it. Like, okay, I think this is a control paddle. I think this is a power paddle. I think this is good here. This is bad here. And this is kind of where these potentially sit in the overall market. And uh, anyways, I, I, I think it will be super valuable for them and it's uh it's, it's fun. So if you're a paddle brand listening to this, message me, okay. Labs.
0: Well, you know, who's in your backyard? He's also dropping a new paddle. Uh, they could probably use your help as Selkirk, you know?
1: Yeah, they got their Lux. they made a post about that. I think this is replacing their Vanguard series. So, I'm I think this is going to be their 003 turned into oh, yeah. like public a, market like a type main, stuff. Yeah, so that's kind of the purpose of their labs project, right? Like, they have these experiments, they find one that fits, and then they Convert it to uh I don't know what you'd call it, like their main lines or something. I
0: still want to play with one of those. So I mean, I didn't get my O two this weekend. So Selkirk, oh me yeah, up. I didn't even I, I actually didn't even see Travis at all. Didn't pass by him at all. The ranchers
1: didn't do so hot, and neither did the smash. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah they got new one out. I don't have that one yet. Selkirk is usually on top of the influencer thing. Like they actually have like a like an influencer program right i mean they they own so many They're on top like of it. influencers so i'm I'm like plugged into their like influencer program so when they have new products that they just kind of want to blast you know to everybody they just i don't even ask for it like they just they just mail it to you and so nice. i imagine they'll just send me a few of these um typically be, I, because i'm like one of the main reviewers um they'll send me like all their shapes Uh, Instead of just one of the paddles. And if they don't, then I ask for all the shapes and they send them to me. But they're, they're pretty good about that. So when those are getting close, I'm sure I'll get those. Um, Anna Lee was playing with her signature paddle this week. It looked like it's a raw carbon. I don't know the details on that, or maybe it's their iced carbon thing. I don't know, but it didn't do anything for her. I thought a new paddle would change, would like really make a big difference for her, but Their team didn't do anything or maybe she played good. I don't know. I don't watch all her stuff, but she's got that, that coming out. Uh, Yola's got some new stuff coming out again. I guess they're going to do like a flood of paddles before Christmas and stuff. They did this last year where they just dumped a ton of paddles right before Christmas. And I think they're going to do that again, but they had a, they had two different, I think it was just two models come through the USAP, like approved list. So there's like this, uh, website that USA, uh, Pickleball manages where every approved paddle that comes through they post like it populate it there and post it there yeah and so that's uh, that's where I get my my inside scoop on on paddles that are coming out I mean you're and thinking and this is just kind of the Hyperion
0: with a curved curved head Yeah so
1: it looks it looks like the shape of the Hyperion I imagine it's the Perseus like thermoform style a lot of people were or I like mentioned it on Instagram and I got a ton of message messages like oh that's probably Tyson McGuffin's new paddle oh. And I I guess there's rumors that Tyson might sign with Yola, which will be a topic for another day, because I have a lot of thoughts about that. I think it's fascinating that he might leave Selkirk when he's been there for so long. Yeah, agreed. But uh, so Yola's got much stuff coming out. Uh, and then Riley Newman announced his signature paddle that's coming out in January. This is with Takeya. I still don't know why a water bottle brand is making pickleball stuff. And it's weird when you go to their website like they have all their normal stuff, and then they have this new pickleball you know tab with their paddles, and I don't even know what else is on. They haven't looked at it too close, but well, if so anybody out there we'll picks up those... that paddle, it's
0: available online.
1: I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, on I think it. you can go buy it right now, but you can't buy his signature paddle. You can just buy a Takeya paddle, right. which is the one he's playing with right now. Um, I think it's just a the thermo, like a, just kind of typical thermoform paddle. But this, uh, yeah, his new one. I don't know if they're doing something different or if they're just slapping his signature on it. Riley posted some stuff on Instagram, probably like it's been a while now, probably two, three months ago, where he flew to China and was supposedly a part of some sort of R and D project there for his signature paddle. Uh, so he's he's making that with them in January. That is when that comes out. So, which is an interesting launch date. Like you think you'd want to get that out? He really want to try Christmas. to make the holiday push. Yeah, yeah. People spend money during that during that time. But yeah, the uh I can't wait for the day when there's like a season for new paddles. I just feel like new paddles are just coming out constantly. And like it's just so overwhelming. There's so many brands still, so many paddles. Like it's just impossible to keep up. Like I'm you just have as a reviewer, like you have to be very selective on what you want to touch. What you review and like I don't I don't do a ton of negative reviews just because I play with a ton of paddles I don't review that I didn't really like, but like, it's not worth it for me to go give a negative review about like a lesser known brand. Right. Right. And so I just, I just don't do reviews of those, but uh, I will like if there's a paddle I didn't like from like a well-known brand, like the pursuit ultras, right? Like I, I didn't speak too highly of those but because it was engaged. I posted that one.
0: I still think, I still think one thing that you and Chris, haven't really done. I mean, Chris did his YouTube video on like his top paddles. But I yeah. still think something written out that gives your somewhat of a ranking, even if there's subjectiveness to it. So use all your stats, but then say this is my favorite paddle currently because price and feel or something along these lines. Sure. Like I think that would help the market. Even if it's not a paddle you're gonna do a video on or a write-up, even okay. if it's in your list, I think it would
1: help. Just to say, like, oh look, I've played with this. And
0: yeah like this is my top twenty five really like but i it. don't do any videos that are under my top twenty or something. I do
1: have like my hot list, and so I have like six paddles for power, all court, and control like it's kind of along those lines where I say these are my six favorite paddles in this category, mm. and then I list them out and give a little more information uh, when you click through those that that page actually gets a lot of a lot of traffic it's kind of what you're talking about, but not quite the same. But yeah, maybe maybe when I go full-time one of these days, I'll be able to knock out more crap like that. Absolutely. But that's it for us, dude. That is the end of the podcast. (laughs) Way (laughs) to put the hammer down. Yeah. We've been going at it for an hour already. I know. It went by quick for me. I feel like a quick one for you. It was great. Are we still live? Are Hallelujah. we on the air? We're on the we're on the air. All right. Well, if you're, you're watching, still everyone. watching,
0: please let us know what questions, ideas. I want to hear from folks. What can we talk about next week? I'm gonna I'm gonna share my idea about a, an MLP uh, marketing idea to get the masses involved with certain teams. So I'll share that next week. More more to come. All right. Well, there we go. See you, everyone. We'll <music>